You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. At the beginning of this year, we felt directed to pursue restoration for our spiritual lives. And we are believing Feel his promise, 112, restore to me the salvation, generous spirit. That's our endeavor for these next several weeks, and I pray months that the Lord will restore to you the joy of your salvation. If you have never experienced the power of salvation, if you have never been uh, or you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in the saving name of Jesus Christ, if you've never experienced the wonder of being filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm believing that you'll experience the joy of salvation. And for those of you who have experienced that, I'm praying experience a restoration of God's salvation, the joy of it. Do you remember when you were baptized with the Holy Ghost? You remember that first time when you felt the presence of God, maybe you knelt at an altar, your hands, and you felt that overwhelming presence of God. I'm believing God to restore the joy of that in your life. We need, this, we need the Spirit of God in our lives to be who we need to be. We can say that we're Christians, we can say that we're spiritual, but at the end of the day, we need the Spirit of God active in our lives. The, the scripture says in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And the Lord wants to reignite his power and his presence and his purpose in your life. And we've talked about how spiritual restoration happens. Four practical ways that we can see God's presence restored in our life. We talked about prayer. And a few weeks ago, Reverend Diana Reed spoke to us powerfully on the opportunity we have through prayer, specifically in our personal life, but the power of prayer in a united sense when we come together. Prayer will do something in your spiritual life. The Christian part of how fasting prepares us and how it positions us and how it propels our spiritual life. Fasting will help restore your spirit. And I'm honored today to be able to preach. I'm on probation, but I'm out of jail for the time being. But I listen to those messages to listen to those, and I want to talk about reading the Bible. All right? Sing it with your Bible. I hear you. Pray every day. I need to Gary up here to help direct. Bible, pray every day, and we'll grow, grow. Grow, and we'll grow, grow, grow. There are like 25 verses to that song, but we're not going to sing them all today. Read your Bible. Pray every day. You know this song. Sing it with me. The B-I-B-L-E book for me. I'll stand upon the word of God. The B-I-B at the end. And we're ready to enjoy Sunday. That's coming up February 14th. All the parents said amen. amen. We call the Bible the word of God. Why do we call the Bible 
the Word of God. I would propose the words are the unveiling of thoughts. Words are thoughts coming to life and being made known. That's why we shouldn't say everything we think. Words are thought come to life. God's thought in creation through his words. God said, let there be light, and there spoke, came into thought, became words that became life. And ultimately, God would bring humanity to life through his word. God would form the ground with his word, and his hands would reach into the ground, and he would craft humanity, and his spirit would breathe into man, and man became a living soul. God's word, his thought, unveiled, then took on another form. It wasn't just spoken to create the world into existence, but God's thought came into existence through his word, and the Bible says that he spoke. He began to speak to them. Isn't that the heart of great relationships? The exchange of thought. For somebody to know what you're thinking. Just having thoughts and not speaking. I won't do the reverse with women. I'm teasing. But... In order for us to express a thought, there has to be words. And from the beginning, God interacted with humanity through words. Starting with Adam in the Garden of Eden, God expressed his thought to humanity. And God commanded the man, saying... You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so right from the beginning, we see, and obeying God's word was the hope that humanity had for eternal life. If they would listen to his word, And they would obey his word. He promised them eternal life. So God started talking to humanity. However, from the beginning, Genesis 3.1, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? See, the serpent wasn't going after just the action of Adam and Eve. He was starting to twist the words of God. If he could convince them that the word of God was not true, then he could convince them of anything. And so Satan attacked God's word, and he said, did God actually say? Of course, after humanity ignores and disobeys God's word, What was humanity's response? They disconnected from God. They separated themselves from God. They retreated and they hid themselves. The Bible says 
In Genesis 3.8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Their immediate reaction comes from the voice and presence of God. However, God, in his unfailing love for humanity, said, I'm not going to go silent. I'm going to keep speaking. In Genesis chapter 3, 9, it said, but the Lord God called to man and said, where are you? God's thought was once again expressed through his word. And God called again. He said again, where are you? Ever been in a dating relationship? Oh. No? Okay. That's odd. But you called again. You called back. Said, let's talk some more. I'm glad Kristen called me back. God's love for humanity was expressed through his words. Where are you? I'm not done with you. I'm not finished with you. You, but I'm you. I'm looking for you. And since that time, I would suggest that God has not stopped calling. He has sought to reach us through his word. And equally, might I add, Satan has sought to continue to discredit and distort the word of God. This is why I believe that for thousands of years, God has preserved his word in written form. He would not rely on just one man to pass on his plan through oral tradition, although there was a time that that was necessary. But he set to preserve his true thoughts towards us and his true expression towards us in written form so that there would be no doubt in his city. It was on a smoky mountain, not in Tennessee, that God would inscribe in stone to Moses. He would say, I'm not just going to tell it to you. I'm going to write it down so you have no doubt of what I'm saying. And he gave him the Ten Commandments. He said, that's my word. You can count on it. I'll preserve it. I'll establish it. Ever play the telephone game? That's always a fun game to play. Things get pretty distorted quickly. Why do we sign contracts? Why do we create wills and trust? Why do companies go to great lengths to create policy never know what you're really signing because humanity has a way of distorting words any parent ever have to correct your kids distortion of your words that is not what I said Avery you ever heard that no because she always does what she's supposed to do a tribe of girls And I've heard them fighting 
And one will say, you said I could play with the toys. And they'll come to me all flustered about it. You said I could play with the toys, her toys. And I said, that's not what I said. I said you could ask her if you could play with the toys. Little twist on my words. But let's struggle. We not hearing correctly. I told you I wanted you to get this. You had one job. Go to the grocery store and get milk. That is not what I ask you to get. I believe that God preserves his word, and he preserved it in written form because he knew humanity's disposition to distort and misremember what is said. God went through great lengths to make sure that the Old Testament and the New Testament were preserved. I don't know it as just some pages and some words and some ancient... It's a miracle that this document exists. And so I challenge you to treasure it, to value it, to make it an important piece in your life because God went through a lot to make sure that in 2021, you had a document that showed his intention, showed his love, showed his... My Bible, not just because it's made of paper and leather, But I've made it a personal habit of mine to never set anything on top of my Bible. When I throw it on the side of my car or lay it down, I don't set anything on top of it. I don't put receipts on it. I don't put other books on it. I don't put paper on it. I make sure it's always on the top of whatever stack that I have it. Why? Because I want to always know and remember that God's word is greater than anything else in this world. That he left this for me so I would always know how he felt about me. So at Calvary Church, we value the word of God. We value the Bible because it's God's thought. It's his expression to us. We value it as the supreme authority for how we should live our lives because it points me to a majestic God who loves his creation and loved his creation so much that he would become the creation to redeem us from our failure. I didn't have this Bible to understand who God was and what he wanted for my life. I would have to rely on you. I'd have to rely on the government to tell me what God really thinks about me. I'd have to rely on my education to tell me what's really going on in the world. But no, God left us a blueprint that said, here are my thoughts. Here are my ways. I didn't have the Bible. Bible. I'd sometimes think that God hated humanity. If I didn't have the Bible... I think sometimes that there's not even a God, that maybe there's a hundred mini-gods or thousand mini-gods. I might even believe that I am God. I try to help our house. They think I'm God sometimes. There's another God. Just kidding, of course. But I might not have had the faith to believe 
That when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that I could speak in other tongues. You see, that's what happened in Azusa Street about a little over 100 years ago. A group of college students, Bible college students, started reading the Bible. And they were like, wait a second. It says here that when they received the Holy Spirit that they spoke in other tongues. That must be for us today. And I'm telling you that we can rely on a lot of things for our, for, for our life and the direction of our life, but there's nothing greater than the word of strength. I'd make a blueprint, an expression of love that would say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, hallelujah. So why would God preserve his word? Because it brings life. Psalm 119.89 says, forever, O Lord... Your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances for all, your, for all are your servants. Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have action. I will never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life. Just as it was for Adam and Eve, eternal life is still possible because of his word. God's word is preserved because it brings completeness and wholeness to our life. God wanted us to understand that we could be whole in him, complete in him. So God told us through the Apostle Paul that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Wholeness and completeness is possible because of the Word of God. God's word is preserved because it brings strength. Throughout scripture, the word of God is described as food. I would argue it's the original soul food. It's what feeds the soul of man. It was intended to bring strength to the soul and spirit of man. God speaking to man would give man confidence and strength to do what he needed to do. God's word is food. Kristen mentioned she loved food last week. That's why I wanted her to speak on fasting. When we were dating, didn't have a lot of money. She would, we would go out and It was Taco Bell or McDonald's, usually, one of these fancy restaurants that some of you dating relationships go to. But man, got a little scary, because she ordered like the whole menu. I mean, the triple quarter pounder with cheese, supersize it with the large Coke, And then I'll take the dollar menu as well. And uh, questions, I should say, quickly emerged. Number one, can I afford this relationship? And should I be concerned? But food gives our body energy. 
It is what makes it possible for us to not just live, survive, but to thrive. It's fuel. We understand a lot about food in our day and culture. I would argue that probably we're obsessed with food a little bit. We understand food in a way that past generations haven't understood. We understand the certain sciences around food and and what it brings to our body and when it's harmful for our body in certain ways. And I would like to suggest today that there's no doubt in my mind that God understands something about his word that maybe we're not understanding. If we want to sustain and gain strength in our body, you feed it. I know somebody could say amen right there. Some of you know what you're eating after this service already. But I would argue if you want to gain strength in your soul and spirit, you have to feed it. The prophet Jeremiah said, birds, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. That God's word was what fed him. I ate your word. I consumed it because it brought strength into my spirit and my soul. And so my question for us today is, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We're honest. There are a lot of things that feed our soul, that feed our intellect, that feed our emotions, it feeds our desires, it feeds our minds. Our generation, meaning those of us, all of us living in this year, 2021, have no lack of supply of things to... We've all got something that we can consume that will feed our soul. And in the mid to late 2000s, a healthy living book stormed the market. The book made recommendations about food choice and health. It was called Eat This and Not That. Anybody remember that book or maybe had that book, read that book? Its goal was, and it is, it's still around, is to help you make the right food choice every time. Covering all aspects of nutrition, healthy eating tips, cooking hacks, how to shop at the supermarket, what to order in a certain restaurant, it breaks it all down, how to lose weight, what food trends are out there, are they healthy, what's the best and the worst food Because healthy living is really about choices. Should I eat this? Hungry. When I fast, I love salads. I love peppers, green peppers. No clue why. Just happens, I guess, when I'm hungry. I'll eat anything. Because you're, you're hungry for it. You go a day or two, a couple days without food, healthy stuff starts looking good. 
And healthy and restored spiritual lives is really about choices. Maybe we're not hungry for the word of God like we should be. We're obsessed with the chaos and conspiracies in news. We're obsessed with what everybody else is doing on social media. It's junk food. It's fun to get into it, but it really has no lasting value in your life. However, it is the word of God that brings strength. It brings real strength into your life. Let me challenge us a little bit today. If your flesh is resisting, interacting with the word of God, you don't want to read it, you don't want to listen to it, you don't want to watch it, then I would say, take a look at what you're consuming. I would venture to say, tell our kids, don't eat that cookie. We're getting ready to eat dinner. Because we know that of the options that they should be eating, that that cookie isn't really going to make them stronger or healthier. It's going to make them happy in the moment. If they have that dinner rather than junk food, they won't succumb to the short-lived and they'll eat what they're supposed to eat so they can be healthy. In America, we have a lot of choice in what we eat. We live in a prosperous country. Believe it or not, this is going to be painful for me to say. Brother Roland, it's going to be painful for me. You don't have to have the burger and fries at Burger King. You don't. You have a choice. You can eat a healthier option if you want. Some of you don't believe that. You've never went to a fast food restaurant and thought about that. But might I add a thought here? Believe it or not, that latest Netflix series, you have a choice. You can can choose to watch something that puts God's word in full view. Believe it or not, You don't have to listen to that carnal music that feeds your carnality and fleshly desires. You actually have a choice. You can choose to listen to things that talk about Christ and bring hope into the world. Believe it or not, you don't have to read and try to figure out if someone mowed their grass today on social media. You have a choice. You can look into the word of God and read what he is saying about you and to you. You can understand the thoughts of God. And all those things are fine and fun, and I enjoy those things. But if they take away from your hunger for what really sustains you, if they are taking away your hunger for the things of God, then something else. If they distort your perspective of God and what he is saying right now, then I encourage you to eat this and not that. And let me meddle a little bit. I haven't been here for a couple weeks, so let me just have a little fun. You know that God is actually speaking in our world right now? Can you hear God speaking? Can I hear God speaking? There are hungry people in this world that are looking for God, and God's trying to speak to them. A little troubling, but do you know that God's purpose 
And God's will being accomplished doesn't require a certain political party in the White House or in government. Do you know that God's purpose and will being accomplished doesn't even require a democracy for him to accomplish it? How do I know? Because I'm reading his word. He showed me examples. He showed me Moses under Pharaoh. He showed me Daniel under Nebuchadnezzar. He showed me Jesus under Caesar Augustus. He showed me the early church under Emperor Nero. He doesn't need the government to be fixed in order for him to accomplish his work. How do I know that? I'm reading his word. I'm eating this. Oh, hallelujah. God's word has survived uprisings and persecutions and famines and failures and false teachers. And cannot words uh, will never pass away. So I cling to the word of God. I cling to the word of God. Danny, thank you for letting God use you on Wednesday. I'm not going to look to the left. Uh, I'm not going to look to the right. Uh, I'm going to look at what God's word is saying about this time. And he said, I've got it. Uh, I can handle it. Oh, hallelujah. Need me today. What's for lunch today? I'll tell you what's for lunch. Some ice cream, candy bars, potato chips, pork rinds, Coca Cola, a fried snicker, and some apple pie. Now that's living. And that's funny. Avery, are you ready? Come over our house. Let's go. Got us all kinds of fun food. Bought the girls Coke and Dr. Pepper. And Ava, she didn't even pour it in a cup. She just took the two liter. Gunk, 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 gunk. That's living. But some of you are going to feast today on Instagram the news, then some sports, a show on Netflix, a few trips through YouTube, back to Facebook, and then get a little sleep, be exhausted for work tomorrow, drive to work and listen to someone tell you all that's wrong with the world, work all day, come home, get on Instagram, get all flustered about something we can't change, read some national crisis blog, watch somebody in, uh, uh, watch someone in their car tell us that the world is falling apart, try to figure out whether or not to get the vaccine, try to veg out on Netflix so we can forget about everything we just heard, scroll through Facebook, listen to music that takes us back to the teenage years, fall asleep, get in our car, listen to somebody on the radio, tell us what's wrong with the world, and repeat. Snickers, ice cream, potato chips. You're surviving. Your spiritual life is surviving on gas station food. And then we wonder why we're not hungry for the things of God. It's because we're consuming all kinds of other things. And the sad part is our spiritual life suffers. Our mental health suffers. Our relationships suffer. And our desires get all out of whack. A bit tight doesn't need weak Christians. This generation needs a church that they can come in contact with that has strength, that has love, that has peace. And dear God, can it come to a church that has joy? In the midst today, we have hope, and I cling to his word today. 
This generation doesn't need a church that's a glutton of culture. They need a church that's strong and active because they understand what God is really saying. And we don't need talking heads saying, this book tells us what God is really saying. Jesus would demonstrate for us the true picture of the word of God in our life and the real strength it brings. When he was led in the spirit, he was tempted by, or led into the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was weak. And that tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, command those stones to become bread. He knew he could twist him a little bit. He knew that he was weak. But Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread. That proceeds from the mouth of God. Let me tell you something. Jesus was not just making a statement off the top of his head, but Jesus was actually quoting the Old Testament. He was quoting Deuteronomy, and it has a very specific context. In Deuteronomy 8.2, it says, God tells the people, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what humbled you allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know or did your fathers know why did he do that why did he give them manna he wanted them to he wanted to show something to him he said that it may it might make you know That man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from to bring you a manuscript of his thoughts. And we cast it aside and we put it on some coffee table somewhere, but I'm telling you, it'll bring strength. Dark times. So I... Are you hungry today? If not, you might want to push away some junk food in your life. Say, I need your word. I need what really sustains us. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.